podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is your Olympic and Paralympic fix. This is your podcast to hear all things happening ahead of Tokyo 2020. This is anything but footy. But sorry, no, actually, we're slightly changing it this week. All, all, all that, uh, everything we've said before, you know, after the week, those European games, the all English finals, we can't not talk about it, can we? Well, don't worry, we won't go into too much detail on how Klopp and Potticino will finally win silverware this season. We'll discuss it in our own way. I'm John. And I'm Michael. We've got plenty of other Olympic and Paralympic sport coming up for you as well. We'll be talking medal tables. Another huge win for UK sport. When I talk about huge wins, I mean another huge event coming to these shores. We've got athletics, we've got cycling, we've got diving, ice hockey, archery, taekwondo and sailing. It's a packed agenda. You can get in touch at any time at anything but F on Twitter. Uh, we're on email at anything but footy at gmail.com, uh, Facebook, Insta. And don't forget as well, if you uh, listen to us, please download us, share us, please like us, rate us, tell your friends about it. Get anything but footy out there ahead of Tokyo 2020, which amazingly is only uh, literally a year away or coming that way. Now, what a week it has been, as I've said. Now, we totally appreciate we are anything but footy, but sometimes there's nothing quite like football. Dead and buried, Liverpool and Tottenham dug it out and showed the beauty of sport. Now, I, th- I think in, a, in the week I said in a tweet that only football could do that kind of thing. You know, one minute you're in, the next you're out. You're not in it until it's over. You're not out of it until it's over. And it got me thinking into some of the great sporting comebacks of the sports that we cover. And, you know, literally weeks since we discussed one of the best, Tiger Woods. 11 years since his last major winning the Masters. That was episode Comebacks and Champions. If you missed it, I want to go back and have a look and uh, have a listen. But what do you think about the sports that we cover, Michael? Yeah, it's been an amazing week of football, hasn't it? And I think we've always said that we're not anti-football on anything but footy. You're looking forward, for example, to watching Premier League football week in, week out next year with Norwich. (laughs) Maybe. And... And I've been at every Leeds game home and away this season and, and we wait and see what division <laughs> Leeds are playing their football in uh, next year. So we're not, we're not anti-football and we had to really meet the football thing head on and we're indebted to Carol who tweeted us this week about this and uh, she simply put, difficult week for you two lads. So <laughs> um, yeah, um, we are meeting in our own particular way. Great sporting comebacks and well, three names came to my mind first of all. None of them football Greg Lamont, a cyclist who nearly bled to death after having a hunting accident in 1987. He uh, lost 65% of his total blood volume. He was the reigning Tour de France winner, but two years after that, recovering from his injury, he came back to win the Tour, and it was a pretty exciting Tour in 1989 as well, beating Laurent Fignon by eight seconds, which when you think three weeks of cycling through France, eight seconds is quite a small margin. Nicky Lauda. Uh, nearly burnt to death, of course, in the Nürburgring in 1976. Just 43 days later, he returned to racing in Italy and he won two more world championships. And slightly differently, but I think it's worth a mention, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, of course, returned to the ring after missing nearly four years of uh, top sporting competition. These were going to be his peak years. He refused to join the U.S. Army, so he was put in exile, and he came back after that in 1974 to reclaim the world heavyweight crown. So there's three 
three sporting comebacks that I thought of. None of those I've witnessed. I do have a couple of others sporting comebacks I've actually seen with my very own eyes. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing those because I've, you know, you know how much I love athletics and how much, you know, ever since 84, we've talked about it on uh, anything but footy about how, you know, we've got into uh, the sport of athletics. And I was like thinking, okay, there must be something in athletics that I remember and I thought about was a great comeback. So like you, I kind of thought, well, you know, did a bit of research and uh, Lassie Viren, um, who uh, fell in the Olympic 10,000 metre final only to get up, win gold and in a world record time. Now, that was in Munich, 31st of August, 1972, well before, I like to say, either me or Michael's time. So I didn't <laughs> think I could really, I couldn't think I could really count that one. So I was like thinking there must be something else in athletics. And I, I wasn't there because I was only 17 at the time or even younger, actually. Um, it was Tokyo. 1991, the golden era for British athletics. You had your Gunnels, your Christies, your Jacksons, and you had Chris Akabusi. The 4x4 100-metre relay at the World Championships in Tokyo, and the British team changed the order, and they went with their best runner first, which was totally novel at the time and totally different, and Roger Black took the first leg in 44.6, and he handed over just ahead of the Americans, but then Derek Redmond, um, an amazing run, 44.1. I got all this from the brilliant commentator, David Coleman, by the way, because I've watched it on YouTube. I highly recommend it. It's brought back some great memories. Uh, Derek Redmond was overtaken by the youngster, Quincy Watts. So the Americans were in the lead. And then for some reason or another, John Regis, who we all knew as the sprinter, the 200 metre specialist, uh, inexperienced was the phrase from David Coleman in that 4x400 relay squad. And he was up against the American who won the bronze medal in in the individual uh, he won an amazing split 44.3 from John Regis but he was three meters behind and Chris Akabusi had to take on the world champion Pettigrew who'd only days before been crowned 400 meter world champion and somehow 32 year old Akabusi in the last 50 meters took the lead and then Pettigrew came back at him and he held on and crossed the line the 400 meter hurdler bronze medalist Two minutes, 57, 54. And as David Coleman rightly said, the Americans were left shaking their head. I mean, it was a brilliant way to finish the World Championships. What an amazing race. And I can remember screaming at the television and seeing that comeback. And you know what? We haven't won a men's world or a global 4 by 400 meter gold since 1997. So just a few years after that. That is incredible when you think about it. And we'll talk more about the relays uh, later on in the podcast. But that that was my memory of a, of a, of a, of a sporting comeback. Yeah, as you say, the World Relay is taking place as we speak at the moment. I'm going to bring up two that I've witnessed. England's netball team. A dramatic comeback oh. against Jamaica in the semi-finals of the Commonwealth Games in 2018. Joe Harton netting the winner with just one second remaining. England, remember, was six down at half-time. And if that wasn't good enough, the semi-final, we then had the final against Australia. The world number ones. There was a four-point deficit for England in the final quarter. You had Helen Housby with the decisive score right on the buzzer. But even greater than that, it was actually her second attempt because there'd been some contact on her first attempt, which she'd missed. So she had the opportunity to throw again. Fantastic comeback. It was like watching a movie. And here's one that both you and I witnessed. I know mm. that because we sat next to each other. <laughs> Let me take you back to a Friday night 
in Rio de Janeiro, the Deodoro complex, the Brazilian sun beating down on our rapidly balding heads. <laughs> News at 10 Speak was delayed yourself. at home. News at 10 was delayed at home. The stadium was carpeted in orange and Team GB's women hockey team were trailing Netherlands not once but twice in the Olympic final. The Dutch bombarded the Brits. The Dutch were expected to dominate, but it was the British that took home the gold medals. Maddie Hinch saving the crucial penalty in the shootout. Holly Webb scoring the decisive penalty. It was quite simply one of the greatest sporting moments you and I will ever, ever have the opportunity to be at. And what a fantastic comeback. I'll tell you what, we actually celebrated in the press box, which was quite... You're not really supposed to do that, are you? But I do remember no. celebrating. <laughs> I remember uh, celebrating, yeah. We jumped up and down. And as you say, you're not meant to, <laughs> to celebrate in press boxes. It's it's not the done thing. But the British contingent that night, they really did lose it collectively. And it was just such an amazing experience. The Deodoro complex in Rio was a, a rather curious, a rather strange thing. I'm not quite mm. sure... It's kind of sort of constructed on a hill. They had a, a shooting range there. They had the, the rugby sevens there with temporary stands, and they had the hockey there as well. But it will forever, the Deodoro Complex and Rio de Janeiro on that Friday night, it will forever be be noted down in British sporting history, I think. You know, you go back to Seoul and the men in 1988 and yeah. where were the Germans and all of that from Barry Davis, another fantastic commentator that, you know, were referenced uh, once or twice and anything but footy. But that that hockey final, that coming back twice in the in the game proper, if you like, and then going going to the penalty shootout with Maddie Hinch and Holly Webb, I just think it was it was brilliant. It was it was just one of the, as I said, the most amazing things I've I've had the pleasure to be at. So for me, the two that I've witnessed as far as sporting comebacks, England's netballers and England's women hockey team. I tell you what, I'm all of a tingle, and and, and that's how I felt after that, that Liverpool and those those Tottenham matches. I couldn't really sleep because I was a bit hyped by the, just the dramaticness of it. And I think, you know, this is why we do the podcast every week, why we're trying to say that sport matters to people and it brings so much emotion and so much thrill to people. And, and football does it week in, week out, but there are other sports out there that we, you know, want to big up and, and we want to hear from you. So actually, you know, what, what do you guys think? You know, is there a great sporting comeback that you remember? Maybe you witnessed it firsthand like Michael or like me on the TV. We'd love to hear from you this week. You know, tweet, tweet us, anything but F uh, or get in touch on the email anything but footy at gmail.com and we'll put out the best ones on social media this week it'd be really good to hear some of the other great sporting comebacks that we haven't maybe mentioned uh, or had time to mention in this week's uh, podcast this is anything but footy and before we move on from the round ball I will say that we will be talking about football this summer because from June the 7th to July the 7th, there is another World Cup taking place this summer and the Panini stickers are out. It <laughs> must mean only one thing, the World Cup. It's the Women's World Cup. It's in France, which I think is a great place. I went uh, to the Euro 2016 Championships uh, with England and, and, and watched, unfortunately, the rather uh, abysmal scenes outside of the stadium and, frankly, on the field as well. However, being in France and travelling around, you did think, wow, this is a great place to, to hold football matches. So I think it will be an amazing event. Um, and, of course, 
Um, the squad was announced this week for England. Phil Neville is in charge, if you, if you don't know, uh, the younger brother of, uh, of Gary Neville from the telly. Uh, he's in charge. And I thought, again, what England have done very well, and they did it very well at the Football World Cup last year, by bringing the nation uh, with England. And Gareth Southgate's been a, a pioneer of that. They announced the team by getting kind of famous people to announce which players uh, and tell which players were going to be in the squad. So Katerina Johnson-Thompson, of course, our heptathlete, um, and announced her uh, her name. And David Beckham announced uh, his as well. So I thought it was really good on social media, a clever way of getting people involved. And it does matter to the Olympics as well, Michael, because you'll remember it from 2012. We had a women's and a men's football team for London 2012, which was the first time in donkey's years that, uh, that Great Britain had done that. Well, they have decided... All the FAs, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, Wales aren't very happy about it, but England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, that they will be entering a women's football team in Tokyo. So one, if we qualify, so one of the qualification spots for the European is up at the World Cup. There are three spots available at the World Cup. So if England do incredibly well, that will be handed to Team GB and we will be going uh, at Tokyo 2020 talking more about football on anything but footy. Yeah, I like the fact that you just refer to Phil Neville as a Gary Neville from the telly's younger brother. It's kind of rather negating Phil Neville's career, top-level career, with, with Manchester <laughs> United, with Everton, with England, and the fact that he gave the penalty away against Romania in the last minute at Euro 2000, knocking England out in the group stages. So, yeah, that's Phil Neville, Gary Neville from the telly's <laughs> younger brother. And it's interesting that you mentioned what a, what a fantastic place France is to host major sporting events because of course we've got Paris 2024 on the mm. agenda and that one will be coming sharply into focus I think for the main administrators the main movers and shakers in British sport and especially at UK sport of course which is the body that allocate the money uh, for Olympic and Paralympic sport they are the the body the government agency if you like that decide how much money goes to each of the sports to try to create some of those medal moments and this week they have announced their new CE she is Sally Monday. She led England hockey for 10 years. She's going to be replacing Liz Nickel in the autumn. Uh, Liz Nickel spent eight years in the role as CEO, much longer, though, with UK Sport, overseeing an unprecedented era of support and success leading up to Rio, of course, before that with London in 2012, and, uh, of course, Winter Olympic sports as well have been rapidly improving. And I think Sally Monday's background, you can see why she's got the job with hockey. She's she's obviously overseen the success, gold medal success that we've mentioned in Rio. She's grown the sport at grassroots level so we've got more participants in hockey than ever before she secured some excellent broadcast coverage as well and helped bring major events like the 2015 euro hockey and the 2018 women's world cup to the uk which is part of uk sports remit of course to secure the major event she's helped develop the new fih pro league hockey that we've talked about and she's put on a really improved calendar of internationals as well. And in taking the role, Sally Mundy obviously has highlighted Tokyo 2020, Beijing 2022 and Paris 2024 on her agenda. Mm. And it's been a big week for UK sport because we've got another big world championship coming to these shores as well. Yeah, the 2020 World Skateboarding Championships are going to be hosted in London. And that's literally, <laughs> literally just weeks. I'm stoked for that. <laughs> 
just weeks before it makes its Olympic debut in Tokyo. So huge focus on that, the World Championships in London as well. Is it going to be under the South Bank? That's my question. Is that where, is that where it's going to be? Uh, literally, you know, where the National Theatre is. Um, and also UK Sport, the 2023 World Trampoline Championships have also been awarded to Birmingham as well. And a, a big few years to come for Birmingham, of course, with the Commonwealth Games uh, as well uh, in 2022. So look, you know, the UK has secured the hosting of five World Championships in the last three months complementing a number of major and mega events already secured into the 2020s. I tell you what, that phrase that Seb Coe came up with at London 2012, inspire a generation. You know, it wasn't just about the two weeks of summer 2012. We have to keep on doing it. And if you have these kind of events going on in this country or across the pond in, in France, you know, it's going to keep doing it. And that's all we can ask for, which, w- which would be great. Now, talking of Tokyo, Michael, I really want to get your opinion on this because we are, of course, on track for 2020, just over a year away now. And analysts and data miners have been crunching the numbers and predicting that Team GB will slip down to fifth in the medal table from its lofty second place in Rio. Now, I'm concerned about this. Grace Note Sports, they're a sports data company, reckon by its calculations, Britain will win 46 medals. That's down 20 from Rio when it became the first country to win more medals four years after hosting in 2012, of course. Now, there are more events and more medals available in Japan. We've talked about skateboarding being one of those new newbies. But at present... They say we're not on course to win as many as we did in track cycling, rowing or gymnastics. Fair point? I think it is a fair point. Now, Grace Note Sports have got a real good track record in predicting where teams are going to finish as far as the Olympic medal table is. They basically track um, world and European results. So they're tracking what's happening in world championships and European championships all the time. And this will be an ever-changing picture. So fifth in the Tokyo medal table at the moment, a year out. But as we've spoken before, you've got sports like track cycling that maybe haven't revealed their full hand as yet. And that could potentially be revised as we get closer to the Tokyo Games. And then I think as we actually get to games time itself, again, the new technology, the new innovations will be brought out. Things that we haven't seen or heard about before. And that could give the British team a little push as far as the velodrome is concerned. Rowing does concern me. I have to be honest about that, and I've spoken to you about that before. I just simply don't see the medals coming in rowing, uh, perhaps as we have had in the past. There was a, a terrific era of rowing, as we know, the, the, the Redgrave and Pinson era. Uh, we had, obviously, the likes of, of Catherine Granger, who's now in charge at UK Sport, Dame Catherine Granger. Uh, she obviously was uh, you know, a fantastic rower and won several medals, silvers, and then obviously eventually uh, she got her hands on that, that gold medal before bowing out to her sporting administration role. So rowing rowing concerns me a little bit. Um, gymnastics, we haven't quite hit the heights um, that we did um, when we go back to, to Rio. 20 medals down, though, is, is, is a significant amount. And, you know, a little bit of analysis on this. I think the US um, are expected again to top the table. Yeah. I think China and, and Russia will be there. I think China will, will not quite uh, treat Tokyo as a home games, but it will suit them in terms of... 
you know times that events are taking place and things like that it, it's not a long a, a long distance travel uh, for a, a lot of the Chinese Olympic team Russia will be pretty strong as well although I think they will be down dependent on on what they're allowed to enter and I think the key thing is the Japanese team um, who are, are always very good always there or thereabouts on the Olympic medal table they will be expected to improve home nations traditionally always have a bounce we saw it well we thought we saw it in London we saw an even bigger bounce in, in Rio obviously <laughs> but if you go back to Barcelona in 92 you know Spain won medals there that they were just simply not expected to win mm. uh, you go back to Australia's performance in Sydney in 2004 even the the Greek team in, in Athens won, won more medals than they were expected with that little home advantage and I think that means that Japan could potentially uh, bounce above Great Britain with that home advantage but I think there's still still a lot to play for here we're still over a year out so I think it's it's slightly concerning um, but I, I would be more interested in in hearing what Grace Note Sports are saying this time next year mm. when they've had the latest set of data the latest round of world and European championships and elite sporting results to to put through the big computer and I remember Team GB in Rio after a couple of days were like thinking, oh, this isn't going to go very well at all. Um, and then suddenly we won 60-odd medals. So, you know, there, as you say, long way to go. But, yeah, that top five at the moment, USA, China, Russia, as you say, you know, if they're not in athletics, then you'd argue whether they could win as many medals uh, as, as maybe they're predicted at the moment. Japan and Great Britain. We will keep an eye on that one for you. And talking of winning medals, we always win medals in the relays. Um, you know, we haven't won the men's gold in the 4x4 uh, since 1997, as uh, previously advertised. But uh, we are world champions uh, in the men's 4x100 metres. Now, the world relay championships were taking place in Yokohama over the last few days. And some good news and some bad news i suppose for uh, for great britain michael i sat and watched uh, the men this afternoon finishing in third place but at least they got through to the final yeah it was a, a great world league time for them in the heats a bronze medal in the final the the squad the the squad in the heats was cj ujar harry aa adam jamili nathaniel mitchell blake there's a couple of sort of big names people like reese prescott of course um to bring into that squad as well uh, you've got the men's four by 400 meters men finishing fifth and the women's four by 400 finishing sixth uh, the biggest sort of absence when you look at the names competing in the heats there uh ailey doyle of course who we, we've spoken about before with ailey doyle and and Martin Rooney, we've got a couple of evergreen relay runners, really good relay runners as well. Those kind of results, you know, going back to that discussion we were just having there about sort of Grace Note Sports and what they're predicting for Team GB when it comes to Tokyo, those kind of results don't really surprise me. Again, we're we're a year out from the big one. We've got Doha, the World Championships, later on, mm. uh, and this was a qualifier for for the World Championships in Doha. I think it's a great event, the World Relays. They have mixed relays. It's a it's a terrific thing to to watch if you like your athletics there's some sort of different events that you don't normally see on the program there in terms of actually the results and the medal return I'm not overly concerned that we're not quite hitting the heights that we saw in in London in 2017 I don't think we were expected to hit the heights that we saw in London in 2017 and and in Rio before that I think the great thing and the the, the brilliant thing to say is our relay teams are now getting the baton rounds um and <laughs> apart from comes... the women yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> the four by on, one. On the on the whole, our our relay teams are getting the baton round, and that comes because they are practicing and they're now realising they can't turn up at a major championships or an Olympic games and just phone it in because 
We've seen the baton drop in so many, so many occasions at world and Olympic level with British teams. They now realise it's something that they can train for, they can get better at. And, and they are so important, those changeovers. Not just getting the baton round, which you have to do to complete the event to even be in with a chance, but making that changeover work and making it a, as quick as it possibly can be. Analyse that changeover. Look at the hundreds of the seconds. Go through the, the computer frames that show you maybe 200 frames a second just to see where you can have that little marginal difference. Shave that little that little split second off that they need to make them you know, a podium contender, a medal contender. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the the men who weren't there. Dina Asher-Smith not there for the women. So, uh, the, as I say, the British women didn't get the battle round in the heats. In, in the men's 4 by 100 hurdle, uh, the men's 4 by 100 metre relay final, I thought there was a really poor handover from Jamili to Mitchell Blake, the third to the fourth. Uh, and apparently Jamili might have kind of been hobbled away from Yokohama. So we hope that he has not got an injury that he uh, suffered last year and, and, and wasn't really fit to compete in, in the Europeans. Uh, to his uh, his his own ability in uh, in the individual, so we wish him well. Uh, Brazil won the gold, thirty eight point zero five. The USA silver, thirty eight point zero seven. Britain holding on for the bronze. So uh, the European Commonwealth and London, uh, of course, world champions. Uh, and as Michael says, plenty of news over the next few months and even a year ahead of those Olympics to see whether we can uh, win some more medals uh, in the relays. Uh, still to come, we're going to talk cycling, ice hockey, and archery before the end of the show uh, but a big week coming up for British divers and more success Michael yeah more success Jack Law has won another gold medal in Kazan in the men's three metre springboard another bronze medal for Tom Daly alongside Matty Lee in the men's 10 metre synchro as well this was the penultimate World Series event because next weekend it comes to London it's the big London finale at the Aquatic Centre that hosted the diving and the swimming of course at the Olympic Games in London it will be live on Eurosport that's been announced this week Uh, might have caught one or two people by surprise that but Eurosport are going to be showing this event traditionally of course I think events like this would have been something something that you would turn to the BBC to watch but it will be Eurosport that hosts it and it was interesting this week we we got an email saying that accreditation in terms of sort of uh, media entry if you like the tickets that the media need to go and, and cover these events reports on these events it had in fact closed but they reopened it for the written press this week they extended the deadline um, because they they hadn't had as many accreditations as they would expect i mean two points to make firstly on the on the competition you look at someone like jack law uh, an olympic gold medalist of course dived with chris mears in Rio, won medals there. Now, of course, doing it um, just as well as a synchro pair, uh, also individually as well. And you just have to, to look at people like Jack Law and his breakthrough over the past few years and just turn to Tom Daly and say thank you, really. Um, because, you know, if it hadn't been for Tom Daly and his, his breakthrough, and I know, obviously, you've got people like sort of Pete Waterfield, who was around before him, of course, and you've got other divers that, that have won medals and, and were on the world stage before Tom Daly. But, you know, the success we're seeing in diving in this country now, um, pretty much you can pinpoint to one man, Tom Daly, and his early success in his career, a um, couple of bronze medals at the Olympics. And, and that's why people like Jack Law have come through. And and secondly, the point about the sort of accreditation reopening um, for written press on diving. Um, why, why would you go if you can sit and watch it all on Eurosport and, and see the interviews there, I guess? I mean, there's nothing quite like being at the event. But, you know, in these times when, when newspapers are, are cutting numbers um, dramatically, it's more about what's going on online. There simply isn't 
you know the numbers of staff to go around to get to every event it's something you can probably cover quite quite easily from home even yeah absolutely uh daily admitting that they've got some sharpening up to do ahead of london uh, there are still tickets available if you uh want to go and see them in action not just the media tickets um lots of world-class sport going on in the uk this week weymouth staged uh, some of the world's best sailors 400 athletes from around the world will be competing in the european championships for the 49er the 49er fx and the nacra 17 classes now this is one of the most significant with numerous nations counting it towards selection for tokyo 2020 Britain has 15 boats taking part uh, over the week. Uh, 49er pair Dylan Fletcher and Stuart Bithell and 49er FX crew uh, Sophie Weglin and Sophie Ainsworth uh, both came uh, back from the Europeans in 2018 with bronze medals. So they are looking forward to maybe uh, doing some more damage with the medals uh, this week in Weymouth uh, with Fletcher saying, we know Weymouth can be anything this time of year. There could be four seasons during the regatta. I think that pretty much sums up British weather in May, doesn't it, Michael? And we've got the 470 class competing in San Remo in Italy in, in their European Championships at the moment. Hannah Mills and Ailey McIntyre competing there. Hannah Mills, an Olympic gold medalist, of course, in Rio, alongside Saskia Clark, again, aiming towards Tokyo 2020 and aiming to come on this podcast. She's promised to come on this podcast in the next few weeks as well. We're going to have an Olympic gold medalist, Hannah Mills, speaking to us soon. You talk about fantastic sporting events taking place in this country over the next few days. Manchester will be holding and hosting the World Taekwondo Championships. So Jade Jones will be there. Uh, Bianca Walkton. Also, the man from the Ivory Coast, Czech Salah Cisse, who, uh, well, basically reduced Lutalo Mohamed to tears in Rio with one final kick in the... Well, it was the not even the last second. It was, it was seemingly later than that. Uh, winning the gold medal in Rio. They'll all be in action in the World Taekwondo, and we'll have a full review of that coming soon on Anything But Footy. Now, my son is a huge fan of Robin Hood. I think it's the bow and the arrow. It could be made Marion, to be fair. But if you do fancy having a go yourself, it's one of the most accessible sports out there for age, gender, disability. It's not a barrier to taking part. Now, archery clubs are going to be providing opportunities for people to come down and have a go at the sport. Equipment and expertise all provided. It's the weekend of the 17th to the 19th of May. So this coming weekend, if you're listening this week, uh, and there are events length and breadth of the country to find your nearest club all you need to go is archerygb.org stroke big weekend we'll put the details on the web page of anything but footy and we'll tweet it out too and many of the current gb squad in olympic and paralympic programs started their journey by just having a go like this so maybe if you want something to do the coming weekend have a go in ice hockey, Great Britain lost to Germany in their opening game of the 2019 World Championships in Slovakia. The first time Great Britain have made this kind of level of competition, the World Championships, in 25 years. The world number one's Canada up next. That will be a very tough proposition for Great Britain's ice hockey team. The tennis season, the summer tennis season is coming uh, very, very quickly round the corner and Wimbledon and US Open finalists Kevin Anderson and Juan Martindale Potro have added their names to the final entry list for the Queen's Club, the Fever Tree Championships for 2019 and Britain has two entries who've both made the cut, not including Andy Murray for the first time in years. Carl Edmund and Cameron Norrie are both in the draw for the Queen's Club and they are keeping a wild card place for Andy as well. 
And if we're talking tennis, we should mention, obviously, the British Masters Golf has been taking place. Tommy Fleetwood's been hosting that one this year. And cycling, of course, it is that time of year when we're heading towards the Grand Tours. And the Giro d'Italia is on now. Simon Yates finished second in the opening stage with a really strong performance in the time trial. You can get in touch anytime at anything but F. If you've got a great sporting comeback you need to tell us about, get in touch on the email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Insta, and please tell your friends, download, share, like us, iTunes, Spotify, your usual podcast provider. This is Anything But Footy, Olympic and Paralympic sport updates, and we might just mention the odd wonder goal sometimes. Sports Social Podcast Network.